Hello, this is Candace Wu on the Embody podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. By now, you might have noticed that every other week I have a guest on the show, and it's usually a friend, colleague, or somebody that I'm interested in having a conversation with. And this week is no different. Our guest today is Vanessa Rodriguez. She is a functional nutritionist, intuitive nourishment guide, and the host of the Feed Your Wild podcast. Her mission is to awaken the innate healing capacity of women struggling with chronic disease by reconnecting them to their own medicine and nature through food, spirit, and love. Vanessa supports wild-hearted changemakers to build physical health and vitality through her work, combining the science and spirituality of food using a modern functional approach, also using intuitive guidance with Akashic records and in ancestral wisdom from earth-honoring traditions. So I'm excited to bring her on the show. In this episode, Vanessa and I talk about nourishment on all levels, what that means, what what is food on the many levels of our being. We talk about Akashic records and what feeds Vanessa's wild. We explore ant medicine and our own personal stories uh, around ants and what's coming up for us. We also explore belonging and the relationship to what we give ourselves to coming out of the spiritual closet the question, what would nature do? And digesting love. The show notes for this episode can be found on my website at candicewu.com slash podcast. And before we jump into it, I want to share that this episode is brought to you by the Soul Body Women's Retreat. Uh, this retreat is happening in October 2018, and it completely supports my ability to create more podcast episodes, to create more healing albums and content. The Soul Body Women's Retreat is a spiritual and healing retreat. And this year, it was actually quite inspired by the location. Zion National Park, Utah, just really called to me this year because of the richness of what that area brings, the energy of spirituality and consciousness and the traditions of Hopi tribe in, in that area, as well as religion, the opposite balance of religion. I'm not religious, but I'm just so interested in that duality, as well as the caves and the depth of the caves in contrast to the mountains and sky and all of what nature brings in that area. So this retreat is all about connecting soul and body, the elements of the earth and sky within us, the feminine and masculine, and balancing all the opposing energies that happen inside of us. It's a sacred intensive of meditations, yoga, family constellations, healing work, somatic experiencing work, and spirituality to deeply heal any stuckness, belief sets, or limitations, and clear up ancestral bonds that may be limiting us in some way and embodying the freedom and specific personal intentions that each woman brings. You can find out more about this and future retreats on my website at candicewu.com slash retreats. And again, thank you so much for supporting me or sharing this retreat because it does help me continue to create accessible information for all. So let's get to Vanessa. Hello, everybody. I am thrilled today to invite one of my friends and colleagues to the show, Vanessa Rodriguez, and she is just magical. And one of the things I love most about her is how she's taken multiple areas of her study and growth and learning over the years of her life 
and completely personalized it so that it becomes a creation of her soul. And what I'm speaking to is that she is a functional nutritionist, but she's picked up all these different ancient, wise, indigenous practices over the years, meshed that science practice with Akashic records and soul work and, in her words, sacred ecology, and just designed this beautiful practice of nourishment for to help people tune into their own souls and what nourishes their souls. So without further ado, I want to introduce Vanessa. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hello. Oh, Candace, thank you. I'm so grateful to be here. And that was such a kind intro. Yeah, so I would love to hear from you. Those were my words. And I've just gotten uh, the chance over the, the time that I've known you to hear from you and hear what you do. But I'd love for you to share that with our audience today. You know, it's funny. I think you got it right on the, the nail on the head when you said a mishmash of <laughs> a whole bunch of these different uh, disciplines and practices. But essentially what I do for work and my passion is really using utilizing food as medicine. And when I speak about food, yes, I'm talking about the food that we put in our mouths as a functional nutritionist. Um, and so I'm, I'm using food in a clinical way through functional nutrition, but I'm also looking at food on all other levels. So emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. For me, food can be, you know, steamed broccoli, love from your partner, um, a new hobby you're learning, time in nature, all of that is food. And so I kind of see myself as a detective um, and a channel for people to really come into a, a deeper understanding of what food they might need right now to nourish the parts of themselves that are hungry and, and need nourishment. So yeah, we're combining science, you know, looking at labs and blood work and what you're actually putting on your plate and all of that is so important, but also bringing in more intuitive tools, as you had mentioned with Akashic Records. And so tapping into the deeper realms, the unseen realms that can bring a lot more insight and information to, you know, help one sort of uncover what what they might be needing in that moment, um, especially if they're experiencing a lot of chronic health issues or feeling stuck in in a rut, you know, with their life and it's kind of manifesting physically as well. So that's just a little bit of what I do in, in kind of a roundabout way. Yes. No, it's great. It's it feels like this juicy sandwich of seen and unseen. Like from food and physical all the way to the soul and unseen, unconscious maybe. And can you speak more about Akashic Records and how you tap into that and what gifts it brings to your clients and to yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. So Akashic Records, uh, well, first I should probably describe what they are <laughs> and, then, and then how I came into using them and working with them. The Akashic Records are, it's a bit esoteric and kind of hard to put into words, but 
we're lucky in that we have a wonderful metaphor that we can use. And that is like the cloud, the iCloud and, and the internet. And so here we are able to upload all of this data and information in our files and store it in this unseen realm called the cloud. And there we can always access and go back to it, right? We can like, you know, set up so that our hard drives back up into the cloud and then you can tap into that in the future. And so that's kind of like what the Akashic Records are. They're a realm that really holds the vibrational imprint of everything. So everything has energy and everything has a vib vibrational imprint. And the history of that is stored in this realm called the Akasha, the Akashic realm. And we can actually access that realm and information and tap into the knowledge that is that is stored there. So I'll give you an example. As an individual, as a person, we each have our soul file, so to speak, in the Akashic Records. And so we can go to the Akashic Library and if we have a question about something that is going on in our soul's journey and path or this lifetime, then we can ask. And we ask through intention and prayer. And I, as a reader, as a trained reader, can tap into other people's records with their permission and essentially channel information that is coming through regarding that question and that intention. And so... I like to think of the Akashic as not just some like, you know, here's this library in the sky kind of thing, but that it's also everywhere and within us. You know, I think of like the spaces in between, like interstitial space, if we think of spaces in between in our body. And I feel like that's where the Akashic really is. It's it's literally within everything and we're all interconnected. And so not just reading Akashic records, but actually tapping and tuning into that space can be really healing for people. And so not only do I incorporate readings and bringing in information and insight through the records for clients, but I can also help assist them in connecting to that realm so that healing can can really come through, um, you know, not in a sense that we may cognitively recognize, but it's just something that is more of an energetic type of experience for people. And so the Akashic Records, I was introduced to years ago on a personal level. So I wasn't seeking it out to incorporate in my professional life or anything like that. I met someone who eventually became my mentor and teacher, and she had invited me to learn the Akashic Records. And I had only one experience prior to that uh, with the records. I had actually seen an intuitive who because after my mom, I, I could tell my story a little bit about <laughs> my mom and how I came to this work, which is a lot longer story. But essentially, my mom had journeyed with breast cancer. And after six years, uh, she passed away. And that was really the catalyst for everything that I do today um, and changing my life in a radical way. And after uh, my mom had passed and crossed over, 
I went through a grieving period and I don't ever feel like grieving ever uh, ends. <laughs> it's cyclical. But um, in those, you know, first couple of years, I was really soul searching and I felt a big shift in me. And so I would actively seek out guidance. And um, I knew of some wonderful intuitives in Chicago at that time when I was living there. And so I went to see this one in particular. And in that reading, he told me that I would come to know the Akashic records in the way that he understands them and that I would be able to tap into them and start working with people. And at that point, it's not like I was doing any kind of intuitive work with others, right? It was that to me seemed like another world. It, it, it wasn't, it was just so interesting. I was like, it was one of those moments when you're like, this guy probably tells everybody that, you know, have you ever had that? Oh, right. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was so far out for yeah. you. Was that when you were in grad school? No. So that was, that was before, that was before grad school. Yeah. And Literally that week, I received an email from this woman who eventually became my mentor. And she had actually, I was following her because my mom went to see her. She was an integrative psychotherapist. And I just, there was something about her. I was like, this woman's special, you know? And, um, and what she brought to my mom, uh, the gifts that she brought to my mom at the end of my mom's life. And so I was following her and she ended up emailing me about a new program she was doing teaching the records because she was a reader. She had been reading for over 20 years and, and teaching. And I was like, holy crap, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, right here for you. <laughs> it's right here the same week that he told me. And so I, of course, had to do it. And that was the beginning. So that was quite some time ago. And I... I got hooked. I just studied and was in a group where we supported each other, a group of readers, and we just did it on a personal level. And so I did that for years before I started incorporating it into my work. And I think that that was a natural and organic process. It was sort of creating, developing my relationship to the records so that I could, you know, I feel like so that I can bring it in a good way into my work. But there's also something about, you know, coming out of the spiritual closet, so to speak, <laughs> because my work was so rooted in science. Mm -hmm. And so that was an interesting awakening for me and transformation and really incorporating the more intuitive work in that way that seems so esoteric for people, but that was so profoundly helpful. And when I brought that into my practice, it changed everything. So that's kind of my journey with the records. That's really cool. I remember that time period and also really resonated because it's like you have to break through this judgment perhaps or just this boundary of what your science entails and just bridging what I'm seeing you do is bridging that to what's already there in in the ancient realm in the in our bodies that that we already know and tapping into that. I know that a lot of your work is helping people feel nourished in themselves and feeding their wild. And this is a question you ask your interviewees on, on your podcast, which is coming out soon. But what nourishes your soul and what feeds your wild? 
right now. Mm, yeah, you know, it's always, <laughs> it's, like, it's always wonderful to ask and hear other people. And then I'm, it's turned on me and I'm like, uh-oh. Right? <laughs> Gives you that little bit of, ooh, <laughs> wait a minute. I love it. Um, you know, right now, what is feeding my wild is, gosh, I would say a couple of things. One is getting so deeply connected to nature in a way that I had never experienced before. And so what I mean by that is uh, nature has always you know, been a part of my life, but I grew up in the inner city of Chicago. <laughs> you know, like I grew up with concrete all around. And although I would um, every year we would go to Puerto Rico to visit family, my family's from Puerto Rico and and so there, there, there's a lot of nature and beauty and, you know, frog sounds at night and all of that. But about a year ago, I moved to Southern Oregon in an area that is still has wildlife. You know, there's like cougars and bears and it's like, this is amazing. And so I, for the first time in my adult life, I have this chance to explore like a kid, you know, really play in nature and immerse myself in just the magic and the beauty. And then being able to have that sense of wonderment again, sort of restored. And so it's, it's a kind of remembrance, but it's also just, it's like play, you know, it's play and it feels so good and natural and healing. I was opening my email and read your recent post on ant medicine. And now I'm also connecting the dots because you're in this environment that so many animals and, and, and that sounds like you also have the space to see and to feel more with them. And so the ant medicine was really interesting because just the other day, my partner was clearing out some dead leaves from our front space and this might make people feel a little bit jealous but as I'm in Bali there's the the space I'm living in is just one of the most beautiful homes that I've ever lived in and when you walk into the private gate just it's just like wooden doors there's this stone pathway and right there there's a pond it's surrounded by palm trees and tropical plants and leaves and foliage, and it leads right to the house. So every day we get to sit and look out at this, at this beautiful, all these plants around us. And so he's cleaning out some of the dead leaves. And he takes one, and after he takes it out and puts it to the side, he realizes that he just stranded a whole colony of ants. And they were just floating in the water at this point. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so he watched and wondered if he should do something. And at some point, he noticed that they had made their way over to this rock in the middle of the pond, which was a stranded rock. And so they're all just running around on this rock. And we noticed that they have ant eggs. So they're, they're babies coming and they're just sitting there on this rock. And so <laughs> we have this whole just beautiful couple of 
hours watching these ants because at that point we were like, we have to do something. They're just stuck here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And there were some that were still stranded in the water and, and treading water. So I took some leaves and moved them over to the rock and he took a long palm leaf and made a bridge. And eventually they took every single one of those eggs, every single ant went across um, there were a couple that went back and forth. It was just fascinating to watch. Uh, and it didn't take too long either. And so to get your email with ant medicine was just so fabulous because there's so many ants here. And it's so timely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like you were mentioning the bridge. I mean, I feel like that's what it's about too. It's just like we don't have to do anything but maybe be the bridge or provide a bridge and allow nature to be the bridge. And I I love that story. Mm, I like, yeah, thank you. I like what you're saying here because it's, it gives an ease to it that it's what's with the potential in us. It's already living there and the bridge is all that's needed sometimes or the light turned on, but it's not like you have to force something to happen. Absolutely. So speaking of the Akashic records and, and the ant medicine that came through in a I do these monthly Akashic Soul Nourishment readings where each month I just tap into the records and I ask, you know, what is the message coming in for the highest good of all those who are listening? And I just write whatever is coming through. And and for April, it was ant, ant medicine. <laughs> what I really learned from this particular reading with ant medicine is you know, how closely related they are to us in terms of characteristics. So, for example, you know, like you were saying, I mean, here they have their eggs, they were busy, they were doing things, they see the bridge, they they take advantage of the bridge, like they're extremely industrious and they have community and they they build, they farm. I mean, it's just incredible what what really happens when we take a look at the underworld of some of these creatures. You know, they 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 create their world underground, and they have their ant hills and their little architects. I mean, it's just amazing. And I feel like you know your experience being in nature and seeing that, like these are the teachings that were so native to us when we once lived more closely mm-hmm. with nature. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad that I'm so happy that you found that to be, you know, entertaining and and it seems so timely. Yes, yes. And have you heard of um, Martin Horat, who is a Swedish weather predictor? And what he does is he goes and sits on an anthill and he looks and sees what how the ants are behaving and what they look like and how they're moving and if they bite or what sense he gets from them. And he predicts the weather based on that every six months. That's incredible. Yes, that's what we're talking about. You know, I feel like that's what uh, that's what tribes and peoples have done f- since we've been on this earth is pay attention. Like pay attention to our surroundings. And this is a good example. I was listening to an interview on the For the Wild podcast, and they were talking about biomimicry and 
using biomimicry to create regenerative communities and um, societies and and ways of being again, <laughs> because we've kind of lost that, right? But it's about paying attention to nature and, and asking the question, what would nature do in this situation? What does nature do in this situation? And then applying that to the problem. That's beautiful. It's a really good question to ask ourselves like in any moment. And I'm thinking about being here in Bali and, and as I mentioned a little bit earlier to you personally, that I came here knowing that there are volcanoes and they're erupting and there's so much heat. And what does nature do? It just, when it bubbles up, it blows. <laughs> That's quite a lesson to me um, or one that I've been learning over time. And when I got here, sure enough, my body reflected that and surfaced all of the heat that was latent in my body and it wanted an expression. It wanted to blow and it came through form, the form of anger. And as one of my teachers says, red energy and just wanted to move. And so I'm wondering how you really tune in to nature like that. And what's something that you've integrated recently that nature has brought you? Oh man. Um, you know, I feel like there Sometimes I feel like going into stillness is what is necessary in the moment. But then when I, what I have learned from nature and being outside and being in quote unquote stillness is that there is no such thing as 100% pure stillness. There is always something that's reverberating, moving, whistling, rustling, moving. And so it brings, you know, you were talking about that sense of ease. It kind of brings this sense of ease and relieves the pressure to to be in the kind of stillness that you know, my mind kind of conjures, <laughs> which is, you know, like no thoughts, no sensory anything, like be no movement. Um, and it's a different kind of stillness. It's more of, you know, you and I were having a conversation earlier of being so connected to the energy of what is around you. And to me, that is what stillness is now. You know, I can go outside, I can sit in the grass, I could be up against a tree. And stillness for me in that moment is tuning into what is going on with that tree, <laughs> what is going on with the grass. And it's never, you know, 100% stillness. So kind of, it relieves that pressure. Yeah, I am just like laughing as you're saying that, like laughing at us as humans that we think we think we can have that i mean it's a nice totally <laughs> it's a nice i don't know quest but i'm hearing and feeling that as you're speaking like stillness is always moving stillness it's the moving it's the syncing up with nature that might be the stillness that we're seeking for or that we're seeking i love that yes you put it perfectly and and like Coming back to the fact that we are nature and 
And so even within our own bodies, there is never true stillness. I mean, we would be dead if we had true stillness. And then even even after that, <laughs> there's still stuff going on. Right. There's decomposition, right? Yeah. And so there's there's always movement. There's always flow. There's always life. And, and like you were saying, tune into that. Yeah. I, I'm wondering from you as... You, you have all these tools in your belts and so many people that you touch. What are the challenges that you're having at this time? What has been on your heart or mind in you? I feel like uh, in this work, in supporting and being of service, there are an infinite number of opportunities where, you know, things are reflected back at you. <laughs> And so I feel like there's so there's so much opportunity to let's choose this reflection. Let's choose this reflection to look at, you know. Um, for me right now, I feel this strong. It's a desire, I would call it, to shed some of these conditionings that I've held on to, you know, in not in a conscious way or maybe a conscious way. So my partner and I have conversations about this and he calls it accessories. It's like we're walking around carrying accessories of what we think we should be or look like or sound like or do. Um, so it's the shoulds, right? You know, what it means to be successful, what it means to be happy, all of that. And so one of the things that has been lighting me up and really catching my attention is this concept of belonging versus being. And there is a, an amazing author and educator and, and shaman. His name is Martin Prechtel. Have you heard of him? No, I haven't. Some of his work is it's just so incredible. I'm just starting to scratch the surface. Right? So um, he has a book called, many books, but one of them is called Secrets of the Talking Jaguar. And he talks about this concept of belonging that is within the Mayan culture that he's closely related to. And that within this, their language, there is no word for being, to be, like the verb to be, or time. And so if we think about the way that language informs our understanding of the world, right? And how we live and, and breathe and walk in this world. It's interesting to think of a world where we, we are not something, like there isn't to be, there are no generic nouns for people or things, but rather everything is re in relationship to something else. So for example, instead of, you know, that person is traveling or they're, they're a traveler, so you are traveling, Candace, right? Mm -hmm. Instead, they would say that you belong to roads. And so for me, it's, it's looking at this concept of there, there is no ownership of anything. Everything is part of creation and everything is in relationship to something else. And so there's a sense of belonging and camaraderie within that. And and purpose inherent in one's existence. 
there's another book too on the topic of belonging that um, I think is also fantastic. And the author, her name is Toko Pa Turner. The book is Belonging, <laughs> Remembering Ourselves Home. She just It just came out, but um, she was influenced by Martine, but she has this gift of taking these teachings and then putting it inside the context of in- the English language and our understanding of the world and, and what that means um, within the context of our lives today. So it's just, it's a fascinating concept that I'm diving into and sort of blowing my mind at the moment. (laughs) I can feel that. It's really exciting to hear you talk about that and belonging to the roads. Like that just feels so different than to say. I know. It's like the entire language is poetry. Yes. I love that. And it also feels like it touches, I, I have this feeling sense of how it touches on no sense of time, like not not relating things to time or their singularity. It's this feeling of connection and embeddedness within everything or within the thing you can name or next to the thing you can name or see. And it, it also makes me think of family constellations, like being within the lineage of something and being maybe that's with Earth and the connection with it is inherent. The the concept of time too, like having no word for time blows my mind. But at the same time, it's almost like, you know, you were saying family constellations and, and I would also bring in like the concept of Akashic and the Akashic records. Like in that realm, there is no time space as we know it. So it's almost like, they are living in an existence that is closer to, you know, like the Akashics. And yeah, so I, it just makes me think about what would it be like if we lived from that place? Like if we tuned into that place where we weren't limited by our our concept of these boundaries of, you know, time, like our past. Um, you know, you talk about family constellations and your brilliant, intuitive work with navigating people through that and how by shifting something today, they've literally shifted their constellation and, you know, for the quote unquote past. And so it's it's living in that space. And I feel like then that just cracks open possibility, you know? It's just like, and hope and really lifts sort of these heavier, what can feel like a prison or limitations for people. That feels like it's something I'm doing right now inside of me. And what I'm talking about specifically is breaking through the ideas of time and space, like, what I think this world is and what I've believed in. And it's terrifying. It's hard. What do you recommend for people on that quest and on that journey of diving into whether the words are the Akashic or the unseen or the very subtle living energies that are already there? What 
guidance do you have? Yeah, you know, I think that is the question, right? For so many, for so many. Yeah. Um, so I'll just go with, you know, some of the first things that are coming to my mind and heart right now and with some people that I'm working with. And it it's almost like the work is in creating the space for all of these things to flow in. So with regards to healing, for example, it's our work isn't to quote unquote heal ourselves, you know, or find somebody to heal us because I believe that all healing is self-healing, but rather it's to sort of get out of our own way and create the space for what is really so innate and natural for our body, for our heart, for our soul, what it already knows knows what to do. You know, we've we've had many lifetimes. <laughs> and so we can take our brain and our mind and and just kind of step aside. And I feel like for me, um, it's kind of a hard concept to really feel into, but I feel like I've experienced that with accessing the records. Like I, I actively have to stop and just instead of shutting my mind up, right, and making sure that I don't have any thoughts, it's just having my ego just sort of s step aside so that information can flow through and I can connect in a different way. So it's not banishing or, you know, having um, this miraculous moment where I'm enlightened and there's no thoughts, but just creating a, like a crack, just a little bit of that space to allow everything else to come in. That's beautiful. Absolutely. And I was just thinking your thoughts belong to the ego, just applying what you were thinking about with belonging. And no, so knowing its place, knowing that it's not your thoughts mean the world or your thoughts are the world or your beliefs even, but they belong to some place to shift out into another place and spend some time there. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that, Vanessa. I'm wanting to shift gears here and play a little bit, um, especially play off of your words and do a round of wildfire questions. And so what I'll do is just ask you a few quick questions and just whatever comes to the top of your mind or heart, feel free to share. And they're just playful, so nothing too serious. Ready? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite animal medicine? Oh, well, I, you know, ant medicine just came through because that's what I'm really feeling right now. <laughs> yes, yes, it's so now, right? <laughs> yeah. What would you rate a 10 out of 10? What would I rate a 10 out of 10? Yes, out of anything in the world. The intelligence of nature. Right. Despite how many times I might trip and fall while looking at my phone, you know, while walking, I still do it over and over. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I notice it. What mistake do you keep making again and again? Believing that I have to do more to get more. Mm, yes. Constantly. All the time. <laughs> like the disease of our world. Yes. Yes. And it's like, you know, every time I shut it, it's like, oh, there it is again. <laughs> I know that too. Yes. Okay. Ready for the next one. 
What kind of art do you enjoy the most? Oh, gosh, that was so hard. Uh, what came first to mind was dance movement. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've seen some of your um, free body, strong body love inspired oh, movement yeah. on Instagram. So much, fun. <laughs> so much fun. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I think this will be the last one. What would be your first question after waking up? From being cryogenically frozen for 100 years, if that happened to you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the very first thought was, what's for dinner? (laughs) So it's it fits. It totally fits. (laughs) You'd be quite hungry. That's a wonderful question. I love that. Well, and I I guess it leads me to one more question is what are you hungry for? Oh, you know, always, always love. Always. And I and I feel like that is something that it's interesting because I feel satiated yet always hungry. Right. And I feel like that's just sort of the nature. It's like there is no destination. You are never full because when you get there, then you're like, oh, then there's more because that's that's the medicine. Like that's what keeps us going. It's this never ending well of love that is available to us. So just to stay open in that and allow. Yeah, that's really a good reminder and a good way to see it. Because if if we look on the f- like food, physical food level, if we filled ourselves with this most delicious, scrumptious meal and we didn't let it metabolize and integrate and eliminate you know, some parts of it, then we, we would just be bloated all the time. We have to. And then we're, we're hungry again. Oh my gosh. That is, that is so true. It is exactly like digestion and metabolism. I mean, we have to let it go once it's gone through us. Yes. We'd be like love hoarders if we didn't (laughs) let that digest and move and give more space for something else. Although, you know, I wouldn't mind being bloated with love for yeah, a minute, but <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really an interesting image. <laughs> yeah, I wish for you that you are bloated with love. Uh, it's like the new Valentines that they have in the cards. Well, yeah. let's um, thank you for playing with me. Uh, let's shift gears again, and you have some gifts for our listeners today. Yeah, so I I'm so excited just to be on and and chat with you. I mean, I that's one of my favorite things. You're you're so brilliant and fun to talk to. But I'm also excited to connect with your audience and I have um, on my website a what I call a sacred ecology journey and activation audio. And this is something that I created because I found that one of the first challenges that people have, especially when they're dealing with a chronic illness or challenge, health challenge, is really uncovering what is keeping them stuck and not knowing what foods to bring in right now for, for their nourishment and, and clarity. And so I wanted to create something that was really working with just the intuitive realm for each person. And, um, you know, because we could be so in our heads, especially in those moments. So this is a meditation journey for people to take and just to sit back, relax, you know, plug in their, their earbuds 
and and just go within. And so that uh, the Sacred Ecology Journey and Activation Audio is available on my website, wildlyrooted.com. That is free. And and so that you could sign up for that there. And I'm also excited to offer anybody who's listening, I have a few spots open for a 45-minute soul nutrition assessment. And so I have longer ones that are paid, uh, 75 minutes long for people who are interested. But this is sort of a, a taster and to really dive deep into the sacred ecology, what we were talking about earlier, what is going on. So after you do the meditation, um, then you'll have a bit more to work with with these uh, soul nutrition assessment sessions. And we can explore your sacred ecology. We could explore what nourishment you need to bring in and dig into what might be behind your health challenge. You know, what is the what is at the root of it? And so I have a few spots open for that. And you can go on to wildlyrooted.com slash embody. And there will be an application so that you can sign up. Um, this is a totally free session, but I also want to make sure that it's a good fit for everybody. And so I have, I just have an application process for that. And yeah, so if you're interested in diving deeper in that way and looking at, you know, the functional nutrition aspect of it, so the science aspect of it, but also the intuitive nourishment aspect of it as well, then I encourage you to check that out. That sounds beautiful, Vanessa. Thank you so much for offering that to our audience today. And I cannot wait to dive into this sacred ecology journey. I haven't done that yet, but I remember the session that I had with you early on and thinking about you offering this 45-minute nourishment journey for people. That sounds fabulous, and I know those lucky people will get so much out of it. And I want to just share one piece that I got when we did Akashic Records together for me. I remember you sharing this image that you saw of, I don't know if it was me or a spirit guide, it, it almost doesn't matter at this point, but putting me, I'll just say me, me putting like stakes into the ground in the four corners or stones and like digging my hands into the earth. And it was this message of being in the ground and really getting my hands and feet into earth. And that image was so powerful because not only you gave me the words that you felt behind it, but I could see the picture and that gave me a whole download of sensing information that words really couldn't. And so I think that it's such a beautiful aspect of your work. Thank you so much for what you do. Oh, Candice, thank you so much. And I mean, ditto to everything in my experience with your family constellation work. It really it made some incredible shifts in my own journey. So thank you. I'm so glad you're welcome. And as we wrap up today, is there anything else you want to share? Any last words or thoughts that come up for you? Yeah, you know, I, I've i been really feeling um, lately just this, this energy, this flow especially around the time of Earth Day. <laughs> you know, it was just sort of, there's all these posts of, 
you know, all these wonderful things that we can do to reduce our impact or, you know, reuse, recycle and all of that great stuff that is really good to know. But I really do feel that um, so much of what I have seen with clients in my own experience with disease and dis-ease is really stemming from, you know, a disconnection, a disconnection from ourselves and disconnection from Mother Earth. And when we can tap back into that, and it's really love. Like that's that's what it is. It's this the energy that Mother Earth provides. It's love and universal energy in the Akashic, right? And so if we can just begin to tap back into that and um, and one way that we can do that is just connecting with nature and connecting with our own bodies and what you're offering is such a gift to the world, Candace, you know, this podcast of embodying that, that, is, that step alone is, is so huge for one's healing journey and such a gift that you can give yourself. So yeah, just taking that one step forward into mm. nature and into love. I love that one step forward into nature and into love. Thank you so much. Where can we find you? You can find me at wowlyrooted.com. I'm also hanging out on Instagram now. <laughs> um, my handle is at wowlyrooted. And I'm coming out, as you mentioned, with a podcast too. And Candace is going to be on it. Yay. And it was such an amazing, rad interview. You guys are going to love it. <laughs> um, and the podcast is called Feed Your Wild. And it's really talking about everything that we've talked about today. Food for your body, mind, and soul. And that is coming out mid-May. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And... I so appreciate that you're here today with me and this beautiful conversation we got to have. And I hope to see you soon. Yes, Candace, totally. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Well, thank you so much for listening. And I want to just mention how much I enjoy these conversations with my guests because it really challenges my edges. It brings an aspect of energy and discussion that I'm intrigued with and also pushes my boundaries. And I'm so thankful that you joined us for this conversation. As I mentioned before, all of Vanessa's information and the show notes can be found on my website at candacewu.com slash podcasts. And there you can also find all of the rest of my podcasts, including the Alive Now mini series and other episodes of guest conversations. Before you go, I'd also like to invite you to subscribe to my weekly newsletter and become a member of the Embody community at candacewu.com slash embody, where you can receive lots of free resources on embodiment and healing, meditations from me, as well as other information about retreats, workshops, private sessions, and other offerings. See you next time on the Embody podcast.